Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Welcome to today's episode. Today's episode actually is going to be kind of a two, not two part, but it's going to be like a, a blending of subject matters because it is about money, but it's more importantly about the spirit world, which is interesting and you'll see why, but, um, I'm excited to share the story with you guys and kind of talk about this aspect of, you know, my journey on this stuff because it is such a fascinating experience that I think is just revealing, but also so relevant to all of us. Anybody that has to use money in any way can probably relate to this and care about it on some level. Um, so I have been a student of wealth for probably eight years now. I mean, for a lot of my life, that's something that I've paid attention to and had a value for and like looked into on some level, but especially in the last, like probably eight years, I've been intentional and somewhat vigilant about continuing to renew my mind and like consuming resources and books and content to help change what I knew and like go past what my parents had taught me and past what I'd learned up to that point and let other voices come in to share the nuggets of wisdom and profundity that they discovered along the way. And if you understand the spirit realm, you know that this is not about any particular wordage, wordage, verbiage, words, you know, or like, um, it's not about any particular frame or form. It's about source and nature. And if you like tap into the spirit, every spirit has a nature to it. It has a, like a code, if you will, that sounds so impersonalized. So it almost feels inappropriate, but like the Holy spirit has a way about him. He's, there's a certain bent and an expression of what he's like, right? Just like the spirit of rejection has a certain nature and that spirit doesn't change. It's always going to be influencing us in a certain way. And so all that to say, um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my journey and relationship with the spirit of wealth, which sounds weird to say. And I know that's probably not the best way to say it for people, but it's how I talk about it in my mind and <laughs> my experience. When I talk about the spirit of wealth, I'm talking about abundance or prosperity. I'm talking about an aspect of God, an expression of who he is. Um, and so anyway, fast forward, it's probably about two years ago now, maybe a little over two years ago. Uh, it was shortly after my retirement party. I was um, living with a friend of mine who traveled a lot. So I was alone at that house a lot. It was like a nice house. There was a pool, which I didn't care for. And it just felt like I had all these amenities that I wasn't really taking advantage of. Um, but I was alone there a lot. And so I, I was waking up early. I was doing the Miracle Morning early in that season. And one morning, and I also was doing a Facebook Live every morning with my followers, just to like kind of create some accountability and some momentum. And it was really fun to do that. Uh, and so I'd get up in the morning and do my Facebook live at like six in the morning. And I remember it was like right before Facebook live, it was like five ish and it was still dark outside. I was alone. I was kind of waking up and just kind of getting my bearing for the day. And I remember that I became conscious of something that had been pressing on me, like harassing me, if you will, for like, it had been up to about two weeks up to that point. I had been running from something for a couple weeks. And I was like, what is this? I remember that morning just kind of being fed up. And I was like, you know what? I just want to stop and face this. And this wasn't like something I was consciously doing. It was something underneath. 
Um, and so I became conscious of it that morning and decided, you know, I'm just going to look at this. What am I running from? What am I so stressed out about? What am I afraid of? And I turned my, my attention toward this thing, opened my consideration box to this presence. And I'm just, I'm putting air quotes on this. If you can't, um, those of you who can't see me, I turned toward this presence, which I don't know if that's relatable or not for people, but that's a common occurrence in my life where I've like stopped to look at something that was happening in the unseen realm, if you will, turned to look at it like in my heart. And as soon as I considered what this harassing, exhausting, stressful thing that was pressing on me was, I all of a sudden in that instant realized this was wealth. Like it's almost like, like this was, this didn't happen in English. And sometimes like the Lord does talk to me in English and sometimes like the meaning comes and I can interpret it in English. And this was neither of those things. It was like, there was this big, heavy marshmallow, but the marshmallow is probably not a good word because it, when we think about marshmallows, we don't have a ton of respect for marshmallows, right? Marshmallows are fluffy and soft. <laughs> but I'm using marshmallow in the fact that it was like invasive and consuming and would occupy every inch that you'd give it, right? If there's a giant marshmallow pressing on my home, it was huge and it would like press on everything. It was about to take over all of the space, right? It's kind of the idea. So I turned to it and just recognized like, oh, this is the spirit of wealth. And I was afraid of it. And all of a sudden I realized like this thing has come. It, this is what's been haunting me for the last couple of weeks. It's been haunting me for a while and I had experiences with this aspect of the Lord. But today was like a day of reckoning. It was kind of intense. And I wasn't in like a spiritual state. I wasn't at a worship service. I wasn't at a church. I was like in my living room about to do a Facebook live. And all of a sudden I was like, what are you doing? And I looked and then this pressing thing was on me, right? And I remember being fascinated by this experience because the spirit of wealth had attributes like rejection or like the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and again, I don't want to distinguish wealth from God. It's who he is. It's, it's an expression of him. So when I talk about the spirit of wealth, I am talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit in a unique expression, which is weird. If you think about it, like the Lord has so many different unique ways that he expresses himself. There are times where he shows up as joy, right? And, or he'll show up as hope or he'll show up as peace. And those are different experiences. We have different responses to those aspects of the Lord. Wealth comes with a certain influence as well. Okay. So when wealth was there, um, I remember feeling shocked because he felt so, he felt ancient, but he felt permanent. Like he felt like if I, like the only thing sitting between me and this giant marshmallow that was about to crush everything that I knew was my opposition to him was my, my no, I had said no to him up to this point for the last couple of weeks. It was like, he was knocking and knocking and knocking and wouldn't leave me alone. I'm like, no, I can't hear you. Stop leaving me alone was kind of what the exchange was like. So all of a sudden this morning I opened the door. I'm like, what do you want? What can I do for you? And I'm taking in this character, this person, and I'm, these attributes are starting to display this permanence was with him. Like I knew that if I stopped saying no to this person in this way, like he was going to come in and change my life. And it wasn't necessarily a positive thing. I wasn't exactly excited about that in this moment. I was mostly threatened. I felt intimidated. So confession on this, you guys, I was afraid of him in this way. Uh, I wanted to kind of just throw this in the conversation because I think sometimes we all think that our relationship with the Lord is perfect and we all just like, feel positively disposed toward God because it's God. So of course we're going to like it. And I'm like, that's not true. At least in my experience, a confession that I want to throw in there is there are times where I'm experiencing the Lord and I don't like him. Not because he's not desirable, but because there are things that I had said yes to in my life that were opposed to his nature. And in order for me to say yes to him in that space, I had to let go of something else that I had said yes to, to keep me safe in that area or 
to help me feel in control or to feel like I knew what was going on or whatever. And so when he showed up like this, like I felt threatened and like offended. I was afraid of him and I didn't want him to come to me like this because I knew somewhere underneath all this that if I said yes to God here in this way, my schedule was going to change forever. I was going to lose certain freedoms. I'm putting air quotes on that because you know it felt like I was going to lose freedom, which is never the case with the Lord. But that's how it felt initially on the other side of the yes before I said it, right? I was going to lose freedom in my schedule. I was going to lose spontaneity and flexibility. There was going to be like a cadence to my rhythm that I was going to have to submit to and I didn't want to have to do that. And I think a deeper, more intimidating part of this was I knew I was going to have to spend time with and engage in relationship with people that I was afraid of, people who were further along in life than me, people who were maybe more intelligent, deeper, more successful. I don't know, these different attributes that I was like insecure about and like threatened by. I was like, I don't want to have to have a relationship with these people because in my mind, I had this idea that I would fail, that I wouldn't be good enough or I'd be exposed or you know, whatever. We all get that stuff. I was afraid of that. And so I knew if I said yes to him here, he was going to change who I spent time with. He was going to change who I, you know, pursued in relationship and like invested in. And I was like, I don't want that. Um, and so I had to stop for a second in this moment. And again, this was like probably not again, sorry. This is probably like a three or four second window. It was like a moment, but underneath it felt like a while. And so in that space, I was like, okay, let's think about this for a second. Do I want to say yes to this person? I don't want to. My initial reaction is no, leave me alone. Like, please don't come to me like this. You're scary. You're out of control. You're going to change my life in not a good way. Right. That's kind of how it felt. But I rationally walked myself through this. And what I'd like to like also throw in there, you guys, is your being, your spirit, okay? And you have a mind. Your mind is a servant to you. Your mind is not who you are. Your mind is there to serve you. So the thoughts that you have, the strategies, the logic, the reason, the memories, all that stuff housed in your soul are there to help support what your spirit wants to accomplish or like the dominion your spirit is meant to exercise in the life you're living. And so in that moment, my mind stepped in to help my heart because my heart was just like, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do with this. My mind stepped in and logically walked me through a process and said, hey, you've been looking for this for the last several years. You've been trying to pull this into your life. You didn't know it was going to come like this. So we get, I get that you're afraid. I get that this is shocking or unfamiliar. It's uncomfortable. I get it. But... You've been looking for him. You've been hunting him. You've been studying him. You've been asking for him. And if you are actually serious, if you have any realistic hope of accomplishing the things that are in your heart that you've you've told people and you would like to pull off in life and affect the world with, if you actually think that's going to happen, you are going to need him. You are not going to accomplish this without him. You need to say yes to this if those things matter to you. And so out of logic and out of reason, I kind of like pulled myself off the, or walked myself up to the ledge and I was like, okay, that's true. This is a point of like no return kind of situation. I could say no to him and like stay comfortable and safe. But in that comfortability, I was also going to have to say no to and let go of dreams and impact and service that I was like hoping to get to bring to the table down the road in my life. So out of reason, out of logic, and just, I'm a very reasonable person. I like to pride myself on that. I'm reasonable. I'm not like super emotional and so compromised that I can't actually hear reason. And so in that space, it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. This sucks. I'm afraid, but I know this is logically correct. Uh, and I trust him, even though I'm scared. So I'm going to say yes. And so I turned to the Lord and I was like, okay, Spirit of wealth, I welcome you into my life. You are a friend of mine and you are welcome to be here. Oh, and by the way, one of the ideas that I had in this experience was 
if the marshmallow moved into my home, if wealth came into my life, he was going to blow out a whole side of my house, my house and like build a whole different structure and a whole other part of this place that I didn't like understand yet. Hadn't seen the blueprints for. I knew he was going to do it and he was going to change everything about it. And I was afraid because I just didn't know what to expect, right? When you don't know what's coming, it just kind of like elicits a little bit of fear. Like, oh. And so it was kind of that. So in that like ignorance and not knowing what was going to happen, knowing that there was risk here, I said to him, spirit of wealth, I welcome you in my life. Again, not talking to something other than the Lord. I was just acknowledging him in a specific and unique way that he was coming to me. So I said, yes, like come into my life. You're welcome here. I look forward to how you, you know, want to continue to upgrade and change things in my life, but you're my friend and I trust you or something like that. And then the pressure and the harassment went away and everything was fine. And I was like, this is so weird. God is weird, but more important, like more encompassing, I think, than that is like the spirit world is weird and our relationship with the spirit. When we don't say yes to a spirit that is pursuing us, whether it's the Lord or an evil spirit, there is this resistance um, drag that you can feel. It wears on your soul and it's kind of tiring. It's exhausting. It feels harassing, but you feel it on either side of the camp, on either, in either camp. You feel it from the Lord, but you also feel it with evil. So if rejection is pursuing you and you're not saying yes to it, you're going to feel that harassment. If you say yes to rejection and you welcome it into your life, you're like, you know what? I welcome your input. I trust you. I don't know where this is going, but I would like you to show me how to walk forward in this place. And you let rejection come into your life. Then that harassment goes away and you have this sense of peace. It's not peace. It's the absence of that conflict. The same experience, the same sensation is true with the Lord, which is fascinating to me. They're different natures, right? And there are different reasons why we'd say yes to either. But when the Lord comes and you're not comfortable with him, you're not looking for him in that way, or you don't recognize that that's him, it also feels harassing. So I actually thought I was avoiding guilt or like something I'd done wrong in that two weeks as the Lord was pursuing me because of how my soul was interpreting the experience, right? Which is fascinating. So anyway, let him in and wealth has continued to express itself in my life, to express himself upgrade changes and it's, is it happening as fast as I wanted? No, I'm actually at this point with the amount of experience I've gotten up to this point, I feel very grateful that he is taking his time. He's not slow. Things are happening. I'm aware and I can see in seed form what is being put in place and what is being established. But years down the road, oh my gosh, my life is going to look so different than it does now in a beautiful way because of the nature of the friend that I'm walking with and what he's producing. Um, but I'm also grateful that it is taking time. I think some people get frustrated or like aren't willing to go the long haul with the Lord because they don't want it to take forever. And it's not on their timetable. It's just too slow. And so they just won't submit to that. At this point, I'm actually grateful that it's taking time to cultivate this because that permanence is going to require a fortitude and a stability to be able to sustain a prolonged friendship with God in this way. He is like you think about what, like wealth, like the weightiness, the weightiness of it is vibing. Like it shakes the walls of the whole home. And if you can't live in that tension, I don't mean that in like a, we're resisting. I mean like in this state where things are like changing. If you need things to become permanent and unchanging, then agreeing with him in that space is going to become unbearable. And so I'm living in a state of flux right now. Like even the place that I live at and the lifestyle that I'm living in, my rhythm and my schedule and structures, like there's a, a vibe to it, like a vibration that is in flux. We are not in permanent state. We're not where we're going to be forever. We are still morphing and evolving. I'm talking about like Numa, especially like just the, the people I'm building with, like there's still a vibration that is 
not always going to be this way. It's producing something. It's shaking things and reorienting and like moving things. And there are a lot of people on my team who probably don't recognize what's happening. They probably don't know that's what's going on, but it is a thing. And it does provide an atmosphere that if you don't understand, it can produce frustration. It can feel harassing. You know what I mean? I'm so grateful that it's there. It's not pleasant. It's uncomfortable. I've just learned over time to be more accepting of the discomfort and not interpret it as a negative thing. Recognizing that there is a, a flow to this. There's a, a season, right? There's a, a cycle, if you will, with how the Lord shifts and creates things in our life with our partnership. And it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And so it's beautiful. There's profundity. There's hope. There's joy. There's peace in the midst of all of it. So when it's the Lord, yes, there's discomfort and there's beauty at the same time. And he is our comforter. And so he does take care of us in the midst of change. But a lot of us have such a negative connotation or a negative relationship with change. We're just constantly seeking permanence. We just want things to be the way they're going to be and just to settle there. I find the Lord isn't like that. He's not doing that. I don't, he doesn't change, but he is moving and he is creating things and he's shifting things and he's partnering with us and he's telling a story and he's going somewhere with all of this. So if we want to set up camp and the Lord is still like traveling, we have a choice. And I think a lot of people in life decide I'm going to camp because I want to rest. I want to relax. I want to not have to work or whatever the motive is, right? And I don't mean like toil. I'm talking about like people who don't want to have to take the risk. I think the work for us is faith. It's belief. It's trust. That's the quote unquote work we don't want to do. We'd rather just slave away for somebody else because we know what to expect. We know where this is going and we can anticipate all the variables. And so people do that. And it's super sad because the Lord wants so much more, not just for them, but with them, with us. He wants to like (laughs) explore this with us. You know what I mean? Like, impact the world in such a beautiful, unique, and profound way. And that's not for just the select few. The Lord wants to do that with every single one of us. And the thing that like separates the influential from the mediocre or the average or the mundane is that faith factor, is that willingness to say yes to who he is and let him break out of the box of our control. Can we let him be something more than that? And would we be willing to follow him even if we don't understand all of it? If we don't recognize every part of him, could we still follow him? Could you just say yes to who he is, even if the way he shows up is not to your liking, right? And so, I mean, there are ways that I've said no to the Lord, you know, in many ways. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this perfectly. I think I'm failing forward, <laughs> stumbling with the Lord toward where he's going. And he's gracious and patient and accommodating and continues to like persist with me. But I hope that I get to continue to bring that yes, that willingness to lay everything on the line because he's worth it, because he's beautiful and he deserves this, right? Um, And as we get to continue to offer that up day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, as we get to continue to submit to him in that place in all the ways that we're conscious of and capable of saying yes, what he builds and produces as a result of that submission and that, that friendship with him is profound and beautiful. And then people come by and just like watch you go by and applaud. They just love watching you live your life. It's not because you're so fascinating or because you're so interesting or because you're you know, so good at marketing even necessarily. It's because there's something on your life that is releasing life, that is inviting and inspirational and is giving them an opportunity to consider something more than the camp that they settled for. And that's appropriate. I mean, I believe that's a huge part of the ministry the church has to the planet is demonstrating what friendship with God looks like in this place and what it can produce, not what we make happen, what happens as a result of us submitting to what he's doing. 
in us, as us, through us, right? Like that's a thing. And so all that to say, like when wealth came to me, it was terrifying. He was terrifying. You guys, there are ways that God comes to us and he's terrifying. And we might, rec- we might like misdiagnose that experience as the enemy harassing us. I think there are oftentimes Christians misinterpret, mis- like falsely discern that when God showed up, they thought it was the enemy because the experience was negative. They felt harassed. They were afraid. They were intimidated. Those feelings are negative. Therefore, it must be evil. I'd like to propose there's better than that for us. We can be more spiritually mature than that. Our intelligence in the spirit realm can increase from there. And just because you're having a negative experience does not mean the source of it is evil. How we discern the spirit realm shouldn't be based on our emotions. It should be based on the nature of the spirit of the thing. And if there are aspects of the Lord that we are uncomfortable with, then beauty itself, when he comes to you and you're uncomfortable with him, is going to be a quote unquote negative experience for us because he's different than what we expect because we're threatened because we're uncomfortable or whatever. Your sensation does not determine the nature of the spirit. The spirit does. And then your emotions get to shift and change and you get to submit to or oppose, you know, whatever your choice is, the nature of the spirit. So obedience, righteousness in life is literally learning how to say yes to the Holy Spirit and how to say no to every other suitor in your practices, in your thoughts, in your words, in your choices, in your heart posture. That is righteousness. Saying yes to the Holy Spirit and saying no to everything else. And not as like a scorecard, not as a performance, but as a way of life, stumbling our way through it. If we make mistakes, it's not a big deal. We learn how to submit to the Lord, how to take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, that our minds would be transformed, like we would be renewed by the, <laughs> we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we say yes to him in that place, the transformation is a byproduct. It's not something that we make happen. It's not an accomplishment. It is a result of a heart posture, of a submission. It's beautiful. It's not as hard as we think. We just need to stop freaking out when it's a negative thing. Like the Lord might be scary. That's okay. Can you discern him anyway and say yes? And he's gracious. Like he guides us. It's just, we need the guts to be willing to consider that. You know what I mean? So you guys, as you're being pursued by God, like don't, just because you're afraid of him, don't be guilty, but like, don't be afraid. Like it's okay. Face it. Just admit that you're scared. And maybe it is Satan, but (laughs) maybe it's the Lord. Don't let your emotions be the, the judge of that. Because if your emotions tell you whether something's good or bad, then you've reduced life to your own understanding. And we've been instructed to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to not lean on our own understanding, right? Um, And so in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll tell you what to do. He'll show you where to go. He'll reveal the choices that are appropriate for you in the season that you're in. So like, don't be so soulish. Don't be so base in your ability, the way you navigate moving forward in your life. Allow the spirit realm to reveal itself to you and you'll know the difference between good and evil. Just don't let your emotions be the litmus test. Your emotions can contribute and can help, but your emotions might betray you if you're just threatened by wealth or if you're threatened by influence or success or service or humility, right? All these beautiful things about the Lord that come as just part of the package of being friends with him. If some of those things are scary because of our allegiance with evil, then the Lord will be threatening to us. Don't let that rob you of beautiful surrender and a beautiful friendship with God that will change your life and the world. Also, you guys, uh, don't forget to subscribe to this uh, podcast. We'd love to hear your comments on the episode. And if you could throw in a five-star rating, if that's real, if that's in your heart, and you actually like value this podcast accordingly, we would love that support. It would really help us out on our end. Thanks in advance. Listen, there's more where this came from. 
If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.